Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you for joining with me on today's podcast. Uh, We're looking at spiritual gifts, the empowerment of the Spirit, and how the Spirit is poured out in the life of each and every, now hear this, true believer. Okay? This isn't something that everyone who says that they're a believer, who professes to be a believer, and is really not. No, you don't receive the power of the Spirit until you're truly saved. You don't receive the indwelling of the Spirit until you are truly saved. There's a lot of people, I call them religionists for the most part, who are very religious. Okay, They're very faithful to their religious organization. They're often very faithful in doing good things Okay, and going about and doing all sorts of activities and all sorts of things, uh, particularly to help people. And there's nothing wrong with helping people. Okay, Don't hear me wrong on that. But do not believe that just because you're doing good deeds, because you're helping people and et cetera, et cetera, that you're in the right relationship with the Lord God. If you have not repented and confessed and called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, then you have not been saved. And so I throw that word of warning out all the time because I really think there's a very large percentage of those who are uh, participating in the organizational church that believe that they are part of the organism of the body of Christ, and they're really not. Okay, So to this point, We've looked at Romans chapter 12 and at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and just a very brief overview of both. Uh, I feel sure you understand that we could spend literally weeks uh, in each one of those chapters. They have so much depth uh, for the body of Christ. But we're going to press on and look at the balance of the scriptures uh, that show us about spiritual gifts, and this is going to take uh, many episodes anyway. So we're going to go to Ephesians 4 right now. So the main scripture passages in the New Testament that speak of the manifestation of the Spirit in the life of the believer in the body of Christ are 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4 is very short. We'll get to it eventually, okay? Because it is sort of a, uh, a rough synopsis of uh, uh, how you can sort of uh, categorize the spiritual gifts. Uh, Ephesians 4, though, gives us uh, detail, and it shows us the truth that we've seen to this point in time, but then shows us a couple of other things. And so let's just jump into it, and we'll see. So Ephesians is six chapters long. The first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul, who's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing back to the body of Christ in Ephesus. And in the first three chapters, he tells them and reminds them of who they are in the Most High God, of what occurred in their life when they were saved. Amazing, amazing passages. Then the last three chapters, chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul shows them how to live this out. How do we live out this new life we have? You know, I think we would do well to spend a lot of time in Ephesians. Uh, I know I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. I encountered a gentleman years and years ago, and uh, I used to see him all the time. He worked at a Christian bookstore in the South Florida area where we were. And there were several Christian bookstores, and they were all very uh, defined by their style and their theology. There was a Presbyterian one. There was a Catholic one. There, were, uh, uh, there was a Baptist one, obviously. There's a couple of other ones like that. And this guy uh, worked at one of them that was a little uh, more outside the box, a little short black gentleman. 
And I would get to the, back here in the back with him in the stack of books, and we would just start talking about the things of the kingdom of God. And he would just launch on me. I mean, he was great. He would just go on and on. And he told me one day, he says, I have read the book of Ephesians every day for years. Every day. And at that point, I remember exactly, this is, uh, folks, this was probably about 30 years ago now. At that point in time, I think he had read it every day for 25 or 30 years. And when you start thinking about that, taking even just that small portion of the Word of God in in that way, totally transforms you. Okay? So we should do likewise. We should take the Word of God in constantly. So in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin with the first verse. Of course, it begins with the word, therefore. So it's in light of all that he's taught them in the first three chapters, which we haven't seen yet. But therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And so I'm going to stop right there in the middle of the sentence. Actually, the first three verses are all one sentence. And Paul is saying this, I implore you. And that imploring carries the idea that I strongly encourage, I strongly exhort you, nearly the idea of begging you. I really ask that you walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. In other words, live the life you're supposed to live in the way you're supposed to live it. That's the reason we're looking at these manifestations of the Spirit in each person's life, these gifts of the Spirit, because that is what empowers us to live the way we should. And remember, the gifts are given for the common good, that we should be doing what we should be doing in the kingdom. Uh, the cute phrase for this last three chapters of Ephesians is, how do you walk the walk you talk? And, and it's sort of catchy. It sticks with you. That's what we're going to be learning. So let me read it again. We'll continue. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, that's how Paul described himself, and he was actually in prison at this time, I think, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. I'm going to stop in the middle of the sentence again. That's the end of the second verse. He says, I want you to walk in this way, and I want you to walk in humility, and I want you to walk in gentleness, and I want you to walk in patience, and I want you to walk showing tolerance. I think the King James says, being forbearing with one another in love. And all through uh, Ephesians, you see these things in Christ, in love. He says, this is how you're supposed to walk. And you say, well, how in the world do we walk in that way? Well, that's where the manifestation of the Spirit comes forth. And in the next verse, we're going to see what he says about this. But let me just ask you to think for a moment. You can see how he's wanting them even to understand that as the Spirit manifests himself, that we're to walk in humility, that we're to walk in gentleness, we're to walk in patience, that we're to be forbearing, tolerant with one another. You know what that means? Just think of that. That means that even as the body of Christ is living as it should, even as we're doing everything in the way that we're supposed to be, there will be times that we must be forbearing with one another. There's going to be constant times that we have to be patient with one another, that we have to walk in humility and gentleness with one another. In other words, when we're doing what we're supposed to do, there's still going to be those kind of challenges because I may not like the way somebody wears their hair or they may prefer to do something this way and I prefer to do it that way. And it has nothing to do with the import of the kingdom of God. It's just personal things, okay? And we're to walk in humility with one another. We're to show forbearance. That means I may do something that would require you to be forbearing with me and we're to do so in love. Now, let me read the first two 
verses again, then the third verse will be done. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's the first sentence, first three verses of Ephesians 4. Notice he calls us to be diligent. The idea is keep pressing on. Don't let off. Okay, don't quit doing it. Be diligent in preserving the unity of the Spirit. Remember a few episodes ago when I told you that so often people are seeking to be unified in the Spirit, particularly church leadership. We need to be unified. We need to be. No, that's wrong. We are by definition unified in the Spirit. If you're a true believer, you're unified. What we're called to do is to preserve that unity, not allow anything to come and disrupt it and to break it and to fragment it and bring up walls and barriers. He says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. That's an entirely different thing than trying to seek unity because when we try to seek unity, we usually do it in organizational type of things and try to get everybody to feel a certain kind of way. And then we go, okay, we're all unified. No, no, no. We need to be diligent in preserving this unity of the Spirit, and we do this by walking in humility and gentleness and patience, forbearance and tolerance with one another in the Spirit, in the bond of peace. We'll talk more about this later. But the idea being that we are bound together by the Spirit, and the Spirit brings peace. Tell you what, folks, if we were to do this, the kingdom of God would explode around us. Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time.